Yo, welcome to episode 212 of the Zay Coma Podcast. This is your boy, Mr. CCP from the A63, a.k.a. Mr. Zay Coma, a.k.a. Paul Cutty, number one podcast. Ah. Ah, that felt good to say, man. It's been 38 days. No, 30. Nah, 35 days since the last episode of the Zay Coma Podcast. Um, a lot has happened. Um, I don't think of, of, if you've kept up on my social medias, you would know. Um, unfortunately had a death in the family and kind of wanted to take just a little bit of break, but also I wanted to come back two weeks ago and then I got sick like bad. I was, you know, hiking up shit, throwing up. It was a horrendous time. And then of course, like I said, it was able to come back, get better, but then work kind of got sidetracked. And then by the time I was able to actually get you know, settle down, work was slowing down a little bit, um, and I was able to, you know, get healthy, get better, I was watching basketball at that time, by the way, but I was able to finally get content written down, so guess what, the Zay Coleman podcast is back, full time, I know I keep saying it, I kept saying it in the off season, I kept saying it beginning of the season, but the Zay Coleman podcast is finally back, it is... Been too long since we've been a consistent podcast. Going on nine months now since we've had multiple episodes in the same week. I know that is embarrassing for a podcast that used to run basketball. We used to run the streets in the NBA. But time to take the crown back, baby. Um, today, we're of course, we're going to be discussing, as you can see by the title, every NBA team throughout the first month of the season. But before that, we have... A few news and notes. Um, like I said, a lot has happened. So, but in I know one of the bigger talking points is Josh Giddy. We're not really gonna bring that kind of stuff up on the podcast because that's yeah. Um, <clears throat> and plus, it's a touchy subject, and the fact that the facts have not all of the facts have not come out yet also kind of you know kind of doesn't make a ton of sense for me to mention that kind of stuff on the podcast in in detail because we don't have the in detail um one that is positive news is that the new orleans pelicans are getting cj mccullum back they have been relatively bad um average i'd say without cj mccullum one bo- po- big positive, though, is Jordan Hawkins has been probably the steal of the draft so far. Um, dude, like He's been close to 40% three-point shooter as a rookie, which is insane. Because very, re- very, very rarely will you get somebody who's shooting 40% on that kind of volume on almost six attempts a game, I believe. Um, CJ coming back, though, again, get, they get another playmaker. They don't really have a playmaker to that um, ability. I'm, when I say playmaker, I mean making plays for others. I'm not gonna, like I said. Zion, of course, is a playmaker. He can make plays for himself and occasionally for others. Same with Brandon Ingram, but CJ McCollum, I think, is a, a lot more verse when it comes to his his play style, and I think that's going to be a real big um, help to both um, Zion and Bi. Um, since I've been gone. I have missed the entire um, open field version of the in-season tournament. 
But we are down to the Elite Eight, the semifinals. Um, I think it will start December 4th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, December 4th and December 5th. Um, and the game's as follows. The Lakers and the Suns um, is the 1-4 matchup. The Kings and the Pelicans is the 2-3 matchup. The Bucks and the Knicks is the 1-4 one, is the one four matchup out east. And the Pacers and the Celtics is the 2-3 matchup out east. First, we'll, we'll definitely get into the Boston Celtics and the Indiana Pacers, for that matter. Um, two teams that have really, really, really excited me so far this year, especially the Pacers. Man, my Tyrese Halliburton agenda is... is there's certain my cer- certain agendas have flourished so far for this season for me. And it's but if you look at like you know my the, the preseason prediction um, episode, you can see a lot of my agendas have come to fruition. Um, another one I want to talk about in a little bit is Alperen Shangun and the Houston Rockets, a team that I think has been very much slept on so far this year. And I feel like a lot, in despite losing last night, I think they've had probably the, the best stretch in the Western Conference. I think I've seen probably this season, um, from the at least from like the towards the middle of the pack. Obviously, we get to talk about the elite teams in a little bit, but um, there's going to be like I said, Houston is definitely a team that I'm looking out for in the middle of the season is. Like if they make another move to try and go get um, some more star depth, or I wouldn't say starter, but starter level depth, um, they're definitely going to be a team that's going to make a lot of noise. Which again, we talked about earlier, a team that's going to make a lot of noise. Um, one that unfortunately has gone by the wayside is in the Eastern Conference. Um, a team that I really, really was looking forward to, unfortunately, the Charlotte Hornets. Um, both Charlotte and Toronto are a team, two teams that I think have desperately disappointed. This, granted, like I said, I didn't have them super high, but I, I was talking positively of them, both on and off the podcast. Um, unfortunately, that has gone, also gone by the wayside. Charlotte, due to LaMelo Ball being injured. Toronto, <sighs> I don't even I don't even know at this point what the issue is with the Toronto Raptors. The Los Angeles Clippers. I almost wanted to get into the Los Angeles Clippers like in the peak of them being bad, but I guess they they've sort of turned it around. They're still an under 500 team with James Harden like in by, by a lot at that. But, you know, they're at least winning games now. Again, I know they lost last night, but I still find it absolutely uh, hilarious that like, so, so we we talked so negative about James Harden in the offseason, and now it's uh, and now all of a sudden you know they trade for him and he's bad. And would you know the defense has fallen off a cliff since the James Harden uh, trade? Again, coincidence? I think not. Um, let's get, you know what, let's get into it, we're, we're, like, so we're doing a lot of talking, we're basically dancing around the topic already, um, I do want to go by, I honestly, I don't even have a specific order that I want to go in, it just basically whatever floats my boat at this point is basically where I'm getting at when it comes to talking about team, 
But we did kind of mention him earlier. The Indiana Pacers is a team that I really want to talk about out East. Currently sitting as a six seed, nine and seven. But they really don't play nine and seven basketball. This is a team that you can see. They're a team that you expect to be like a, towards the top of the East, which they were for a little bit. They've sort of fallen off in uh, recent times. But Tyrese Halliburton is looking very much like an all-NBA point guard, especially considering there aren't a ton of point guards that are playing better than him that deserve that sort of moniker. Um, you can obviously look at like a Luka Doncic or um, sort of in the Steph Curry realm as well. But definitely can say with confidence that Tyrese Halliburton is playing like a top-five point guard this year. Um, again, has the Pacers sitting two games above 500 out of the currently out of the playoff and play in mix um and it's due to the fact that they're they're playing some of the best um half court basketball in the league which is crazy like i said a team that um that's very much transition oriented and they're still a damn good tra- uh, transition team as well under in the last few games in their the, the since falling off basically They've been a really good half-court offense. Ty- Tyrese Halliburton has shown that he's more, a lot more versatile, especially with the shooters around him, like a Buddy Hill, like an Aaron E. Smith, um, t- Miles Turner, of course, or two, like three, two, three guys that are really, really exceptional when it comes to um, as spot-up guys. And I think, and even Miles Turner coming off of pick and pop, I think those guys are definitely um, doing him a, a very huge service. And I think that's going to be something that's going to um, that's going to be something that they're going to try to look for in a more youthful way, get a lot younger in that aspect down the down the line. But for sure, I think for now in this short term, sort of short term winning uh, formula, I think they those three guys are essential to what the Indiana Pacers do. Um, another team I want to talk about, man, and it's exciting because. I predicted in the offseason that they would be a top five seed in the Eastern Conference. The Orlando Magic currently sitting as the number three seed, a game and a half back of Boston for their number one seed. And something that I sort of kind of predicted in the offseason, but not to this extent, them being the, the, the best defensive team in basketball. I I was not predicting this in the offseason. Like I said, I you knew that France was going to take a year three jump. Paolo was going to take a, a year two jump. Um, and something else that should be noted during this Orlando Magic, you know, them being elite span, like I, like I would say, was I think a seven game win streak now. They've beaten quality teams. The Indiana Pacers we just mentioned earlier. The Denver Nuggets. The Boston Celtics. Um, unfortunately, like I said, there's a couple of uh, Chicago Bulls wins in there that were uh, that will kind of take that a little bit. And the Toronto Raptors, who have kind of been disappointing this year. But you look at those last or those three wins that we talked about, the Pacers, the Nuggets, and the Celtics. Again, arguably probably the three best teams so far in the league this year. Um Besides the Minnesota Timberwolves, who I think literally are the best team in the bat- in basketball right now, and we'll get into Minnesota and why they're the best team in basketball right now. Um, but something that that very much how do I want to put it? 
Something that, that makes the Orlando Magic special is that literally anybody, this is a team that's built sort of on cohesion, like, a chemistry factor. Like, literally anybody on this Orlando Magic team could have a game, and it would feel believable. Like, in the Toronto game, it was Goga Badatse, I think, had a, a heck of a fourth quarter where he was basically giving the Toronto Raptors bigs the business Um, last Sunday, I believe it was. In the Charlotte Hornets game, it was Cole Anthony that was that was giving Charlotte's backcourt the business. And again, a lot of that had to do with LaMelo Ball being injured. And they sort of don't have a backup point guard. It's like Ish Smith right now with like spot minutes to like Bryce McGowan and Taylor Maladon. So they took kind of, the fact that the Orlando Magic had 12 guards that again all really be good. The fact that like I said, the, tonight it just happened to be Cole Anthony or that night it happened to be Cole Anthony. Um, another night could be Jalen Suggs. Another night could be Anthony Black. Another guy. A night could be Gary Harris. Um, literally, you take turns being like the the point the point guard on this team. And again, it feels believable because the Orlando Magic sort of play as one unison basketball team, which is something I haven't been able to see in currently in, a, in an Orlando Magic team. God knows how long. Um, Paolo Bancaro again. Taking another year or two jump, we all expected. Franz Wagner taking a year three jump, we all expected. Um, but like I said, to go back on a, a point, another point that I made was, uh, like I said, literally anybody can have a night and it feels believable. I, I believe one night, I don't even remember who they were playing, but Franz Wagner, uh, not Franz Wagner, Mo Wagner had a like twenty five point game or something crazy like that. It may, maybe it was the Boston game, I don't know. But like literally everybody on this team can have like a, a crazy outage and again it feels believable because they all sort of play that same brand of basketball where like i said it, it's not really my turn your turn sort of basketball it's more like i'm gonna if one if you hit a couple shots in a row best believe you're gonna be the guy that we're gonna try to set up shots for you tonight so even if it's not paulo having like you know a 30 bomb or whatever paulo is a good enough basketball player to where like true basketball player to where he's like, you know, this is going to be Franz's night. I'm a or not Franz or Franz or Mo's night or Cole's night or Anthony Black's night or Gary Harris, Jalen Suggs or whoever whoever night is Goga Badate. We're going to specifically run plays to try to get that person involved because as much of, of a, as a future star as Paolo Bancaro or Franz Wagner is, those two are not going to be the. If this isn't going to be a two-man team for the foreseeable future. This is going to be a team that they're trying to build. This, this honestly, this specific roster, they're going to try to build as one of the better teams in bat, like a cohesive 10, 11-man rosters, rotations in basketball. Like, I can honestly see, like, next game probably be, like, Jalen Suggs gets 25 here. Like, this is... I can, and again, it feels believable as well. Like, the, the, I can't believe I'm saying, but the Orlando Magic might be one of the deeper teams in basketball. And again, statements like that, we kind of made about the Memphis Grizzlies a year ago or two years ago when we were talking about how, like, so they were winning to what, like 15, 16 games in a row without John Morant. And I'm like, yeah, this is because this is one of the deeper teams in basketball. Obviously, the Grizzlies are no longer that, but the Orlando Magic are sort of becoming one of those where, they're, yeah, they're a deep team because they have seven, eight, nine guys that can have nights like this. Not a ton of teams out there have that kind of depth to where 
oh yeah, we got four or five younger guys, a couple veterans, a couple in between guys that can, you know, that have the ability to go get that 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 game, they get that that game out of themselves. Kind of miss that in Detroit a little bit. Um, enough about me, I promise. Um, another one that I want to get into, uh, very. Western Conference. Let's talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves, man. Sit, currently sitting first place. Um, and again, a ton of people you could point point to as like the direction. One guy that I really, really want to talk about is Rudy Gobert. And I'm, Rudy Gobert's name has been slandered for... God, it's been... It has to been two years, two, three years now. Um, and it feels almost like redundant to talk about Rudy Gobert in, the, in that kind of sense. Where it's like, oh yeah, Rudy Gobert isn't Rudy Gobert, duh. Like he's 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 not what he used to be. But last couple of games, he showed that he's still that Rudy Gobert. And last night felt like the. Um, peak of that sort of like I would argue that he's probably had better games than he did last night, at least statistically. But his defense on Chet Holmgren was like top of the line, probably the best defense anybody has played on Chet Holmgren this year. And again, he's playing Chet. Chet hasn't played slouches, but I think this is probably the best we've seen out of. Um, best defense we've seen out of out of a team playing against OKC so far this year. And again, I don't think Rudy Rudy Gobert has not been like completely dogged out this season. He's played against some some top of the line centers like a Demonis Sabonis. Um, again, we mentioned Chet Holmgren, who I, I'd say is you know playing his way into top ten to fifteen center territory. Um, Joel Embiid, he's played against. And has been relatively successful against most of those bigs. Um, like, I could even argue that Rudy Gobert's kind of creeping in defensive player of the year territory. I know it seems extremely early to, to talk that kind of... Um, that kind of talk, again, like the word, what, a quarter-ish? Ish? Um, into the season, but I could argue that Rudy Gobert has has officially put his name in the hat for Defensive Player of the Year. Not a ton of people have, you know, made been able to state that claim so far to the point that we're legitimately talking about Victor Wembanyama being in the conversation. Um, but I think Rudy Gobert definitely has made a point to say that hey, this is Defensive Player of the Year, and Rudy Gobert was not playing like this last year. I feel like there was genuinely something uh, going on with Rudy Gobert last year, especially at the start of the season, where he was absolutely awful. It had a sort of a, a strong finish to the year, but the start of the year was like, Rudy Gobert is extremely washed. And now we got, get to the start of this year, and Rudy Gobert is playing like Utah Rudy Gobert, you know, on steroids. And again, mo- mo- he's mobile. I can't believe like Rudy Gobert having is more mobile than he was even in his twenties. Um, 
it's actually like kind of scary to watch a little bit that Rudy Gobert is like that, like is playing almost better than prime Rudy Gobert. So shout out to the Minnesota Super. And of course, like I said, they have their guys. Anthony Edwards has had a hell of a season so far. Carl Anthony Towns has been up and down, but when he's up, he's been extremely up. And when he's down, he hasn't been down to the point where it's frustrating to watch him play. Um, unfortunately, they're doing a lot of this without Jaden McDaniels, who's out with an ankle injury. I believe he's he's got what two more weeks, maybe like one more, a little over a week um, left until he's you know, at least uh, reevaluated to play. And I think once he comes in, that, this defense is going to be even scarier. Because, like, they got Anthony Dave, uh, Anthony Anthony Edwards committed to playing defense. They got Carl Anthony Towns committed to playing defense. Of course, we're talking about Rudy Gobert. That's uh, defensive-oriented. Jaden McDaniels, who's his, his, primary, um, his primary position is playing defense. His primary uh, focus is defense. That's the word I'm looking for. Mike Conley, even at his age, is still a really solid defender. He's he's a guy that would at least stay in front of his man, and if necessary, will push everything towards Rudy Gobert and uh, Jaden McDaniels down low. Um, really, really solid so far for the Minnesota Timberwolves. <sighs> um, let's get into some of these bottom teams, man. We're talking about a lot of a lot of the top teams, and again, a lot of the top teams will get a lot of the top team coverage. Um. I don't want to get into the Pistons. I've gotten to the Pistons a lot. I'm not. We're not talking about the Detroit Pistons right now. Um, let's talk Charlotte again. A team that has obviously, you know, has its problems. Like, really, realistically, the Western Conference, the bottom of the West, isn't really their fault necessarily. Like, you know, Memphis obviously has dealt with a boatload of injuries. San Antonio's is not a properly built team. Portland is Portland. A team that's also dealt with a boatload of injuries, but it's also like nobody really expected the Blazers to be anything anyway. Um, Utah, I want to see more out of Utah. I, like Again, like I said, I know this isn't the most top-end talented team in the world, but realistically, like I said, I kind of want to see a little bit more out of them. The East, Chicago. I actually want to talk about Chicago because there was a report early in the season, maybe like a week, a week and a half into the season, maybe that Chicago was not going to be the same team in November. Or I think it said by the end of November, I think was the was the report. Well, we're tomorrow's the 30th. A week or sorry, a, a day away from the end of November. This team looks the exact same. What happened? And again, it's not like this team is good. It's it's not like this team is great. This this team is buns. This team is hot garbage. Recently, bad loss to Boston. Bad loss to Brooklyn. Bad loss to Toronto. Bad loss to OKC. Bad loss to Miami. Close win against Miami. Close-ish lost lost to Orlando. The score doesn't reflect how that game actually went. Lost to Orlando. Bad loss to Milwaukee. They beat Detroit, who's the worst team in basketball. You should beat Detroit. Lost to Phoenix. Beat Utah, who's basically on your level. 
That is the last, I think, 12 from the Chicago Bulls this season. What is the direction exactly? And again, this is the one team in the league, the one team in the league, who's bad with vet- with good and like they're in the, bad with the intention of being good. Detroit is bad with the intention of being bad. Washington is bad with the intention of being bad. Charlotte is bad with the intention of being bad. San Antonio, same thing. Memphis, same thing. Portland, same thing. They all, um, maybe maybe not Memphis, but again, Memphis at least has the excuse of their top four players being injured, and Jaron Jackson Jr. just has not been good this year. Um, That's just like the way the cookie crumbles at, at that point. But... Chicago is bad with the intention of trying to be good. They're just not a good team. And that sucks for somebody, again, somebody who is very much a Zach Levine guy. I am a huge Zach Levine guy, huge DeMar DeRozan guy, huge, huge Vooch guy, huge, even like it's like, I like Alex Caruso, Javon Carter, Torrey Craig. Those are guys that I, I like watch playing basketball. None of those pieces fit together. And Here's the crazy, here's the unfortunate part about this. The top three destinations for Zach Levine right now, I believe it were the Lakers, the Sixers, and I forgot what the third team was. But, oh, Miami. The Lakers legit can't make a move until January 15th because the three or four pieces that they kind of want to include in that Zach Levine trade are... Either guys that just signed contracts or just signed extensions. And I think those guys can't be traded, legally cannot be traded until January 15th. Um, Philly just acquired the, the guys, again, the assets that they have to acquire Zach Levine, they just got from the James Harden trade, which, again, they can't move for, I think, 90 days, which will take you to basically the trade deadline. Um, In Miami, Simply just doesn't have assets. Kyle Lowry is like the big financial piece that you can put in that trade. Maybe even like Duncan Robinson. But like they're not moving Tyler Hero in that Zach, in a Zach Levine trade. That's just that's just how it is. I don't I doubt highly doubt that they move Tyler Hero in a Zach Levine trade. So that brings us to question. What are the Bulls are the Bulls just gonna sit on their thumbs for um, until at bare minimum January 15th. They're going to sit on their thumbs. They're not going to try and, and find a, uh, an alternate destination. They're not going to try to find a third, team, a third team to get involved. This is simply just pure negligence from the Chicago Bulls. And again, you could have avoided all of this probably by trading them in the offseason, probably trading these guys last year when you realized it wasn't going to work. I the Bulls, the Bulls are slowly becoming my new Portland Trailblazers. Remember, for the longest time, the Portland Trailblazers was a topic on this podcast because it was basically pure negligence. Now that they've traded Damian Lillard and CJ, and you know, I mean, granted, they still got Jeremy Grant on a ridiculous contract, but for the most part, they're a team that has at least found a direction-ish to move off of. They st- they have a future. Scoot, sign. Um, Sharp, sort of Simons, um, and what and whatever they decide to pick up in the next couple of years with those draft picks. 
Chicago, there's no in, there's no way around the Chicago Bulls. They're either going to be bad with veterans or they're going to be bad with next to nothing on this roster. Because I don't know exactly what you get out of a DeMar DeRozan trade in 2023 going into 2024. Is, are, is DeRozan, what are those guys worth three, four, five, seven first-round picks? I highly doubt it. Maybe even as, as a talent, he probably is. As a piece that's currently on the Chicago Bulls, there's no way that you view this DeMar, DeMar DeRozan as a guy that you're going to get a Rudy Gobert-type trade package for. Rudy Gobert in 2022. Let me point that out. Um, I highly doubt it. I really, really, really doubt it. Which is unfortunate because, again, DeMar DeRozan, I think, is an elite-level player. And I think is a potential Hall of Famer-level player. It sucks, though, that we can't find a... Ha- We're not going to... They're no, not say we... They are not. They're going to find a halfway decent trade to make all parties involved happy. Nikola Vucevic is wanted by zero teams right now. Maybe Detroit, but Detroit's desperate. But zero competent NBA teams want Nikola Vucevic right now. Again, as talented as an offensive player he is, Vucevic has zero value. Nobody else on this team is worth a dime except for Alex Caruso. What is exa- what exactly is the direction for the Chicago Bulls currently? Whew, okay, glad we got that off the chest. Next, Charlotte Hornets. Again, we talk, kind of talked about it. LaMelo Ball was absolutely going crazy before his injury, but unfortunately, he did pick up an injury. Toronto... I've said my piece in the Toronto Raptors. Should have blowed up and blew it up at the beginning or the end somewhere in the last two two off seasons ago. I should let me again just be grammatic but grammatically correct on this one. Should have been two off seasons ago they blew it up. But and just built around Scotty Barnes. But again. No clue what's going on over there. Atlanta. This is one of the more curious teams in the NBA. And I will tell you why. Um, Two guys that have really been balling out. DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray, I feel like, has had one of the more underrated seasons so far in the year. Because, A, he's playing next to Trey Young. And, B, DeJounte Murray simply isn't just a name. You're going to get what you're going to get out of DeJounte Murray. But I think even what you get out of DeJounte is still really, really... It's a lot better than like 80% of what you're going to get out of most NBA players. So when, you know, you're getting tw- like what, 21, 6, and 7 um, out of DeJounte, that's a really solid number. Now, something else I want to get into sort of with the Atlanta Hawks is it, what exactly do they look like in February? And I'm specifically talking about DeAndre Hunter... Um, players in that range, DeAndre Hunter, um, Clint Capella, I would probably even stretch around and say Sadiq Bey, um, I can argue that Sadiq Bey is still on this roster in, um, come next season, probably on a short-term extension, three, set for 75 maybe, somewhere around there, three for 60, Something in that range. Because I think he still had a really solid season. I just don't know exactly what the direction is the Atlanta Hawks. And again, that 
that goes for every like for most teams to be honest with you most teams aren't going to look the same in two years that's just just a matter of fact um but I think with Trey Young having at least a halfway decent season outside of shooting the ball um which is kind of Trey Young in a nutshell but I think you know that you have to start thinking about it maybe potentially if the Atlanta Hawks are like the 10th seed at the trade deadline I think some moves have to be made. And again, this team, I don't want to even overreact and say that the Atlanta Hawks should blow it up. But, like, this, t- I don't want this roster looking the exact same in three months. Because currently, like I said, they're the, they're, or I should say, probably closer to two months. Because right now, they are the 10th seed. And I don't see them being, currently, I don't think they're better than Brooklyn, better than Cleveland, Miami, Indiana, etc. So they can basically only fall. If they're like outside of the play-in, definitely should not be this exact same roster come next year. I can tolerate them having a a, a pick, like a, a lottery pick, maybe even closer to top 10 this year. I can tolerate that. But what I can't tolerate is them trying to basically... They're trying to convince themselves that they're still the 2021 Atlanta Hawks, when realistically they are not. <sighs> All right. Next team on the docket. We might want to travel back to the Western Conference team, man. Why not? Um. Okay. Again, how do I want to phrase this? Because I don't want to, I I don't want to, I don't want to upset nobody. I'm like we're we're trying to be civilized individuals currently today. I don't want to upset people on this this fine Wednesday afternoon. <sighs> okay, you know what? Here we go. Is it time to close the door on the Golden State Warriors? Like, officially closed the door on the words. Last night, to me, felt like we're officially closing the door on the words. And I know, like I said, they lost in the buzzer beater. It's whatever. That fourth quarter. Jesus Christ. And it sucks. It sucks even worse. Because we got an Andrew Wiggins game, finally. Andrew Wiggins, I feel like, genuinely had the worst year of his career so far. And... His first good game this year, and they're having, and it's a waste. Even Moses, Moses Moody, I think, had a, an excellent game last night um, as well in the minutes that he got. I'm, I just, I don't know what to do about the Warriors. I, I don't know what to do. Like, where do you go exactly from here? Because, again, you got a great Wiggins game. You got a Steph Curry game. Even Klay Thompson, even though, like I said, Klay Thompson very much obviously is not the same guy that he was even two years ago, three years ago. I still think Klay Thompson is, is, okay, how do we put it? Klay Thompson as a warrior is still valuable, specifically as a warrior. I feel like on any other team, Klay Thompson has zero value whatsoever. But 
for the nostalgia glasses, you gotta keep them in Golden State. And again, God knows what the price tag is, because Clay's even said to himself that the reason he's been bad this year is because, you know, he's thinking about contract negotiations. He's got money on his mind, literally money on his mind, um, instead of just going out there and hooping. And again, I don't I don't know exactly where we go with the Golden State Warriors because again, do you pay Clay Thompson? Do you do you pay Andrew Wiggins? You pay Dr- you already paid Draymond, but you know, do you keep paying Draymond long term, Steph Curry long term, Kevon Looney long term, and still sort of build a halfway decent roster around that? Like so there again, same similar with the Atlanta Hawks. I don't want this team looking the same in two months at the deadline. If they're the 10th seed or around the 10th seed, they're around the play-in come February, I need this team to make, to make a move. Because re- realistically, this team is not... Starting five is well-constructed. Even the bench, they have really solid pieces on the bench. Dario Sarge, I think, has had a really solid season off the bench for the Warriors. Um, GP2 is always going to be somebody that the Warriors uh, faithful love. Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga, both as young pieces, are at least intriguing, if not good. Um, I don't know what the, I don't know what the issue. Like I said, again, very much could have easily made these moves come, um, like a year or two ago when we were all talking about how Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody were less than less than pieces for the Warriors. And we sort of said the same thing about James Wiseman, but the Warriors were kind of stubborn with James Wiseman and they moved them first for Gary Payton second, I believe was it was, was the three, three team trade that was, um, that involves Sadiq Bay and you know, that, uh, that those pieces right there, you get what I mean. Um, like I said, I don't know exactly where you go from the Warriors. Because offensively, I think you kind of have it covered, um, give or take. Like I said, offensively, you got it covered. Uh, defensively, I don't know exactly what piece you go out and get that's super valuable. Unless you maybe just want to go at another shooter and try to outscore most teams. Um, again, Lord knows where that comes from. But... I think Bogey is, or Jesus Bogey. Of course, I'm thinking Detroit when it comes to trying to make trades. Um, I think Golden State is again. How do you again? Not trying to piss nobody off. I think the Warriors right now are again. This roster is sort of built on in nostalgia glasses. They are afraid to trade a Clay Thompson. They are afraid to trade a Draymond Green. Even though I think Draymond is absolutely like 1,000% a valuable piece to this team. Um, at least as a locker room guy. But unfortunately, it's sort of built in nostalgia glasses with how this his this team is presented. Um, they're still trying to run like 2015, 2016, 17 Warriors offense. In 2023, when teams have outperfected that offense, I don't know, man. Like I said, that's a again very 
touchy thing to talk about with Golden State Warriors because I feel like a lot, a lot of this is sort of built in talking about them in 2023 as if this was still 2020, uh, 2016, 2017 era Warriors where they were like legit the the offensive juggernaut of the NBA. They were the pa- the Pacers of their era is basically in a in a funnier way if you get if you get what I mean. Um, but yeah, like this is hopefully this is just the a sort of a growing pattern. and they're just trying they're I don't want to use the word coasting, but trying to coast to at least the end of the season to where they they make that run, get into the playoffs and then they're the warriors of old. <sighs> one I feel like one more team we're going to talk about cuz I don't want to hold y'all too long. On the first episode in a month. I do want to talk about the Lakers. A team that's good. I never thought I'd see the day. And again, it's a stark contrast. Because the Lakers and the Warriors are only like two games apart. But the Lakers look like a much better basketball team compared to the the Golden State Warriors. Um, And again, I can say that about a few other teams. Houston, again, a a team that's only like a game and a half away from Golden State. But Houston looks like a much better basketball team. Team, I could say the same thing about the Pelicans, who were only a game back. Um, Sacramento, who just they just played, OKC, who they just played. The, these teams are much better looking than the Golden State Warriors are in this current format. And again, a lot, a lot of that can change eventually. Obviously, the West is genuinely built like that. The first to eleventh seed is only five and a half games. The Clippers can make a run, or the Warriors can make a run. Minnesota slips, and boom. That one of these teams are number one seed all of a sudden. But like I said, with the with the Lakers, um, there's again don't want to step on nobody's toes. But I want to keep the I want the Lakers to keep the roster that they currently have. I love this roster together. You know, Anthony Davis, Jared Vanderbilt, Cam Reddish, um. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, like the, these guys, I want them to keep them together. They play so much better when fully healthy, and both LeBron and AD are. This team is one of the better teams in the league. And again, this not me being a, like a, me exaggerating because I know, like I said, they just got like Molly Watt by the 76ers, but. I think genuinely this could be one of the better teams when playing together. When D'Lo is, you know, the playmaker and Austin Reeves, Austin Reeves, Austin Reeves coming off the bench, I think has been one of the better moves that they've been, they've made so far. Um, really, really wish that the Lakers could get healthy right now because like, I want to see Cam Reddish and Jerry, Jerry Vanderbilt and, you know, guys like that who are integral to this Lakers lineup. I really want to see them, uh, like, fully healthy. I feel like we haven't really gotten that. And, again, you can say that again about most teams. But we really have not gotten the Lakers fully healthy this year. And I'm I'm intrigued about what they look like once everybody is back. Okay. So, again, I know I wanted to cut it short for, what, 45 minutes. Not bad. Um. If you missed the previous 211 episodes of the Zay Coleman Podcast, you can check them out on Spotify or Google Podcasts, 
Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and right here, of course, on Spotify for podcasters, formerly known as Anchor. Until next time, I know I love you. You love me. Let's love each other. Goodbye. Damn, I messed up the outro of the podcast. In case you missed it, you can check us out on everything plus more on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, and of course right here on Anchor. Until next time, see you.